0: This week, it's Rush Dorsett who's keeping me company. Rush is a voice coach, performing artist, and founder of the Embodied Voice Academy, and has earned accolades in voice science, psychology, and sound healing. Rush is passionate about weaving together spiritual tools with vocal awakening practices to access a singer's highest potential, and she is here with me to discuss the benefits of sound healing for singers and busy teachers like us. <laughs> Uh, uh. Rush Dorset, as well as being a voice coach and performing artist, you are also a sound healer. So, do the people you meet tend to think that you're always really calm and zen?
1: <laughs> That's such a great question. Perhaps. I have gotten that feedback a few times. You must always be calm and zen. And and for sure, leading sound baths and doing sound healing work helps me throughout my days. Absolutely. Um, And that said, I definitely still feel the internal performance anxiety before a concert, or I get nervous about things. But I would say that the tools very much help me to shift my energy and my mindset when I need to. So I'm grateful for that. Mm Maybe I should have some. I mean, a student
0: said to me recently, well, you're always really laid back. And I thought, are you kidding? I, I I'm almost choked on my own tongue. So I was like, I'm not, I don't think that I am calm. I am not laid back, but at least that's how I come across. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> at least then they don't see the inner turmoil. <laughs> of course. Oh, yes. And it's funny, you know, thinking about a performer, sometimes singers make it look so easy just singing on, oh, it just looks like it's just coming out of them naturally they were born this way but people don't always realize the level of effort that it can take to really hone that craft so i think it's a similar concept well rush
0: welcome to the singing teachers talk podcast now you have a master's degree in voice science a bachelor of arts in psychology and you also hold sound healing certifications from the divine resonance center in Asheville. so how did you arrive at all of those things and then on to founding Embodied
1: Voice Academy? Mm, wow. Well, yes, those are all of my passions and I have many passions that I've always wanted to weave together. And I would say to put it in a summary uh, that I began my interest in you know human nature and how we can be our best selves and that Um, made me want to study psychology and understand you know, how can we help ourselves and help humanity on a whole level. And meanwhile, as I was doing my undergraduate studies and thinking about going into counseling, I also was pursuing my love of music and performing. And once I graduated my undergraduate degree and I started working in the world, I actually was working for a PR company, public relations, doing editing work and learning a lot about tech and all these things. But I always just loved singing the most. And I would sing, you know, nighttime gigs. I would sing at weddings. I was singing with ensembles on the side. And, and it was just my heart was so connected to the beauty of music. And I, I just felt like my best self when I was singing it was bringing me joy and, and I would see the faces of the others and it was bringing them joy. And so I kept thinking to myself, well, there must be something to this because yes, the world has many challenges that we all want to help. Um, and at the same time, there is so much power in music to make the world a better place as well. And so it was at that time in my life where I decided to just go for it and pursue music fully. I had never really given myself permission to do that for a lot of reasons. Um, I think there was a lot of self doubt. I think there was doubt that I could make it into a career, all kinds of limiting beliefs, but. I decided to do it. And so that's when I went and got my master's in voice science and performing. And that really built my confidence being a part of a community, receiving teaching and instruction from amazing teachers, just surrounding myself with colleagues, also pursuing voice. And so it, it was at that time when I continued my journey in personal development and spirituality is a big part of my life. And so, I was studying energy healing and all of these different parts, um, you know, alternative healing modalities that actually now have a lot of science to back them up. And and I was seeing the results for myself and noticing how much better I was feeling and how much more peace I was feeling. And I said, there's got to be a way to combine these interests and maybe. Uh, you know with a lot of the singers and and the students that I was beginning to teach at that time I noticed a lot of them struggling with performance anxiety, a lot of them struggling with uh, just so many questions about their career and uncertainties and of course the pressures that the industry can can be and so, I uh, began to think about weaving some of these more healing modalities. So sound healing as a bridge between music and healing as a way to really help people. And I started seeing the results right away. So that's how Embodied Voice began. So with all of this combined, what have
0: you found throughout your research and your studies practically and also through your personal experience that has bound the science element of voice, the music creation and the healing together. Have you got any anecdotes that you could share?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, many case studies with myself and with my students uh, and also case studies from a mentor that I worked with. So I... I'll just say that after my master's degree, I went on and decided to pursue more of these alternative studies with voice science and how to combine them. And I came across a method called the yoga voice method, which was founded by Mark Molaterno, who's an excellent teacher. And I studied with him personally and received my certification in the yoga voice method, which basically combines two loves of mine. One is yoga, which I was practicing a lot at the time. And the second one, of course, is singing. And what I found through that method is that when we actually combine yoga philosophy, which is of course, an ancient philosophy and ancient practices that have been tried and true, passed down over thousands of years now to show very specific results that it can create for the mind body system. So it's been shown through doing very specific types of practices and and doing certain breath practices that we can calm the mind We can align the physical body and we can also align what's called the subtle body or the chakras. And we work with the seven major chakras in the yoga voice method. And all of those things, when they are aligned, they actually inform our vocal technique. And so that's where it got interesting for me because I was seeing the results of this, you know, energetic and physical body alignment now helping and supporting the anatomical alignment for healthy vocal technique for healthy resonance that all comes from the bel canto singing technique western scientific vocal pedagogy and the two overlap and weave together so beautifully and so i'll give you a very tangible anecdote since you asked for an anecdote Um, for example i had a student for a little while who was trying he was wanting to sing this amazing aria and every time um, starting to sing one of the phrases a little bit of the resonance would would leave and so um, for example there was some breathiness in the tone his voice was getting fatigued and so that's when i started to dive in and ask him some deeper questions around well what's happening holistically in your life these days and it turns out that this student was In the middle of moving uh, was in a transitional period had a lot of things going on and um and wasn't feeling very grounded and actually wasn't feeling very secure at that time in their life physically emotionally and mentally and so actually what we did in the practice was a root chakra practice which is uh in the yoga voice method, you help align the root chakra, which is connected to our sense of safety, security, groundedness. And we did that through several yoga postures that help align root chakra. We did that through several several vocal sounds like mantras, things like that. And then once we balanced his root chakra, then we brought it back into the song and the resonance was clear again. And so, and he wasn't getting tired. Um, And a lot of what happens with root chakra, I'll go into a little science here to round out this anecdote, which is that with root chakra, that is said to be based at what's called the base. So it's at the perineum and which is very a necessary point for it's like holding the foundation for a vocal technique. And so when pelvic floor is activated and we're able to support our sound, then the breath is able to have that proper support that it needs to allow full closure of the vocal folds, complete oscillation of the folds to create that healthy resonant sound. And so when we are connected to our root chakra and that sense, um, the physical body aligns. So that's just one example. And actually, I have so many other stories about students who are struggling with different aspects. Let's say it was confidence. uh, Let's say it's registration and and feeling that break in their passaggio, um, all kinds of challenges that singers have and that these tools, these methods have really supported them. So with your background with voice science and also now looking at
0: the chakras and the and the yoga-based uh, modalities do you find yourself moving more towards those latter ones or do you still find yourself doing like scales using a particular consonant vowel
1: combo Yeah I love that question Well I would say it totally depends on the student and what the student needs, because I have found that some of my lessons are much more based in vocalises and doing scales and doing technique, but it really depends on the goals of the student and um, what I'm hearing in their voice. But what I will say is that right away, if I hear an imbalance in that student's sound, usually there's an energetic component to that, that if we can actually balance that first, the technique will take care of itself. It's like getting to the source of what's causing an imbalance. And what I love about it as an approach is that let's just say somebody is experiencing jaw tension and tongue tension and uh, isn't able to get the full sound out um so for example rather than telling that student manual things to do with their pharynx like okay lift the soft palate and and do this and do that and drop the jaw and all these things then the the mind gets distracted because there are too many things to focus on at once and it becomes kind of like micromanaging your technique you're always thinking about these things and then we lose our authenticity in our we lose the purpose of what the technique is helping us do which is communicate authentically Um, And so rather than doing that approach, often what I find is that what if we get into sacral chakra and do some alignment around that? And actually that's what helps all of this open up. The student doesn't even have to think about it. And it becomes like an automatic set point that the body and mind system learn what that alignment feels like so that the student can come back to it again and again. How do you know if a
0: singer is imbalanced or whether they'll be fine to continue with a typical vocalizing exercise?
1: Okay, great question. So we think about it in terms of metrics of success and, and the authentic voice for that student, also based on these bel canto principles of what we're listening for as teachers. So we're listening for healthy, clear resonance. We're listening for smooth registration, meaning the facility of the student to move through their passaggio from chest voice to head voice, the easefulness that they feel and experience with singing in different parts of their range, the evenness of their tone, the ability to accomplish messa di voce, which is the ability to uh, you know, crescendo, decrescendo, be expressive and fully resonant on any pitch within that student's range. So these are the types of metrics of success, so to speak, that we listen for as teachers. And so we are allowing that student to find that for themselves and what that really means, what that freedom, what that easefulness, what that resonance feels like for themselves. And so uh, ways that we can support that student. Uh, Let's say, for example, they're doing some vocalises and um, I'm hearing Perhaps a lack of resonance or the student is expressing to me, oh, I'm feeling tension here or my voice keeps breaking here or, "Ah, oh, you know what, that could feel it could feel more free. <laughs> and so those are signals to me to then start to use this more embodied approach of getting into the chakras, doing some alignment work so that then they could feel come back to that vocalese, come back to that song and feel the freedom opening up. So you quite clearly have interests
0: in voice science and psychology and the energy side of things. And like some of our listeners and myself, we might have other interests as well other than voice specifically, or side hustles. How could we pull our other interests into the work that we do with voice to create something unique like you did with Embodied Voice Academy?
1: Hmm, Yes, I love that question. Well, I'm glad that at this time, it seems like more and more people are embracing all parts of themselves. And I think that as artists, it's so important to embrace all aspects of ourselves and not try to hide those parts of ourselves that really do want to be expressed, because especially if you are wanting to express yourself authentically in the world. And that was always something that deep in my heart and in my soul, I really wanted to experience what that would be like to feel authentically expressed. And I knew, I'll just speak personally for a moment. Um, I knew that I loved this craft of singing and I was training in opera performance specifically. And I love opera still. I love all genres. Um, but I was finding that as I was studying these other characters in these roles that I was playing, I did wonder to myself, well, what about me? What about Rush as the artist? And what do I want to say, you know, in, in my life? And In my teaching. And so uh, this this was a question that was always coming up for me. And so I really it was a decision really to embrace those those curiosities. And uh, there's a book that I read a while ago. Maybe some of you have heard of it. The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And so I was really wanting to. open up my creativity and I started reading that book, which is excellent. And she has this concept in the book called filling the well. So it's a concept of, as an artist, you're living your life, you're going about, you're having these experiences, these adventures. She encourages artists to follow their curiosities and not put so much pressure on themselves. That was the thing that I was doing a lot, was putting a ton of pressure on myself, creating way too much anxiety for myself. And so I decided to, okay, loosen up and just follow my curiosities and just see what happens, be open to the unknown and, um, and fill the well, meaning take from those experiences, things that inspired me and put them in my, my well, my artists well, so that then, um, You know, there's a lot of this comes back to psychology now because there's a lot of science around creativity, which is, you know, connecting all these different parts of our brain and these neuron connections. And, uh, you know, the creative mind is open and receptive. It's not so singularly focused. Like the prefrontal cortex isn't so open. It's all these other aspects that open up. So having these experiences and uh, and diversifying our interests actually can support our creativity and make us more of who we are. And so... To bring that back into your question, what I have personally found is that by pursuing these different interests, uh, it has not been a distraction from my craft. It's actually really supported my craft. And I feel that now at this time in my life, I'm personally feeling more fulfilled in my own singing and enjoying that so much more and actually feeling like a byproduct of that joy is better singing. And I find the same for my students that when we're actually approaching our voice and our practice from the perspective of, well, what brings you joy? What feels aligned? Then the byproduct of that and the result of that is often beautiful, healthy, clear singing, but that's not what we are so singularly focused on. A part of your craft, as we mentioned in the beginning,
0: is sound healing. And you you mentioned how you might use this with an artist who is experiencing music performance anxiety. How else can you
1: use that in your lessons with people? Yes, I love incorporating sound healing into lessons one of the main things that fascinated me about sound healing is that there are certain frequencies that influence our nervous system state and our brainwave state and that we can intentionally use those frequencies to help us come into a very specific frequency within our own being and so um in in sessions with students for example if i'm noticing an imbalance in one of the chakras, for example, I often will bring in a certain frequency. So that could be using instruments, bowls, um, healing sounds that I have recorded on tracks, things like that, to just allow us to come into a meditation and do some breathing and help align and attune the system. Often it helps us drop into relaxation and clears the mind. Just, it's another tool to help the process. Uh, and I love it because sound moves matter and it works so quickly, relatively, because, uh, you know, our bodies are made of so much water. And so the sound waves move through us and influence us. Uh, and it's just an efficient way and it it works. <laughs> Something that I find fascinating in that is, um, let's say I'm leading a sound bath or leading a group class, and I'll bring in a sound bath portion, a meditative portion, and I'll find students come to me afterwards and say, I've never been able to actually quiet my mind and know what that feels like. And I actually experienced that for the first time. And so they're able to drop into meditation. Even people who aren't experienced meditators, there's something about the power of that sound Uh, and we all know the importance of having a calm clear mind when it comes to performing that's the ideal state is getting into that flow state and so the sound healing allows us to do that and can you go into a little more detail about
0: what is actually happening you've mentioned frequencies and vibrations what is it about those things that are resetting us or calming us Yes,
1: yes. Well, a lot of it is about brainwave entrainment. So let's say, for example, we have several major frequencies that our brainwaves tend to be at. So for example, there's beta brainwave state, which is more of a higher frequency, uh, more active state. There's alpha brainwave state, uh, which is a little bit more for getting into a flow state, kind of having a calm focus. Uh, There's theta, which is more dreamlike, deep subconscious. That's a really good brainwave state to be in for, for dreaming, visualization, deep meditation and hypnosis, for example. And then there's delta, which is deep sleep. And so we can allow ourselves, we can use sound healing to help us move between those different states, depending on the intention for what we want to be doing at that time. And so, uh, for example, for singing, let's say somebody's a little bit anxious and stressed out, and they're in a beta state, and their breath is, you know, fast, and their heart is pounding, and and uh, their breath is closed off. That often happens with performance anxiety. It's all about the nervous system of that individual. And so, how do we shift our nervous system? Well, the frequencies definitely help us with that, so we can calm the mind into more of an alpha state, and come into deepening the breath. And what that does is it brings us into a state of parasympathetic response, homeostasis, which the research shows that being in a state of balance, homeostasis is creates the conditions within our bodies and minds to actually heal. So if there is it could be a physical injury that you're wanting to heal while well, being relaxed and being in that state is going to help the body actually send those, <laughs> send the white blood cells, send everything to that area so that we can actually heal or an immune response. But we also think about that energetically and mentally. If there's an energetic block in one of the chakras, that state of being is really going to help clear and purify that chakra as well.
0: What does that say to the music that we enjoy and the music that we tend to steer away from. Like I have a, I have a few friends who would find, and I, I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody, <laughs> um, but find listening to classical singing a little grating and mm-hmm. some who find listening to metal a little hard. And I'm just thinking about, you know, we are, we are using frequency pitches, frequency. So what does that say to genre and and what we, enjoy listening to and what we don't enjoy listening to
1: (laughs) right oh my goodness well I've had this same question for a long time as well Uh, what I will say honestly is that I don't actually know the full scientific answer to this but what I can say as a best theory and based on conversations that I've been having with people about it is that uh, these different genres they're all, they all have their merit, you know, they speak to each person in a certain way. And I would say that my theory about it is that it's really about that person's emotional state and what is resonating for them emotionally, um, and what they need. So for example, sometimes, I do need to listen to rock music, and that feels amazing and feels very validating. Um, sometimes I need to listen to classical music. Um, but you can see like each each genre offers a different a different frequency, a different you could call it a vibration, um, different information. it's kind of like different languages or different dialects of all the same language. Um, that's how I like to think of it. So I think that the sound healing, That's a very specific healing modality that's about brainwave entrainment and about allowing our bodies come into calm, stillness, meditation, Um, whereas heavy metal, okay, that's not going (laughs) to create the same effect. But for somebody, that is going to speak to them as well, and it's going to offer a different kind of healing uh, in its own way. Um, With opera, there are times when I don't personally want to listen to opera, even though I'm an opera singer. And other times it feels like the most gorgeous, beautiful, uplifting, transcendent experience. So uh, it's just the, I think, the movement of our emotional states. And a lot of it is about emotional release, I think, as well. Um, When you're sad, you kind of want to listen to a sad song to help speak to you and validate that experience so that you can move through it. And then, you know, find what's next for you. Um, that's my personal theory about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess you don't really see many workout playlists with something calm unless you're doing something yoga-like or... Uh, but yeah, if you're going to go for a jog, you're probably not going to have something soothing.
1: <laughs> you're yeah, you to something wanna, that pumps you. You want to up your nervous system for that experience of jogging and exercising. One more thing I will share about it, which is that there is... A good amount of research coming out about um, these healing frequencies now, which is exciting, and there are several music producers and, and musicians overall that who have gotten interested in using these healing frequencies uh, in music that is genre music, not necessarily just deep meditative music. And so, this is what I think is a new field coming out: is uh, can we create, you know, fun, entertaining music? using these frequencies embedded within it and i'm starting to see that more and more and i say why not that sounds like a beautiful combination of things um as you likely know our music has been tempered over time. The actual ratios present in the harmonies that we're using have been tempered. And for listeners not familiar with that term, it's basically that the pitches have been adjusted slightly so that they can sound cohesive. It was something done in for the symphony many years ago, like in Mozart's day, um, to accommodate the different instruments that we were using. So if we go all the way back to the Baroque time, you know, that tuning was much more aligned to what are, what's called the music of the spheres. And this is where like the healing and and these more spiritual studies are fascinating to me because, uh, you know, Pythagoras did a lot of uh, work around music theory and understanding these, these harmonic ratios and how a perfect fifth creates a state of being in a person, a perfect fourth. And a lot of traditional healing music like Gregorian chants or um, all kinds of healing traditions around the world are actually attuned to these ratios. But over time, our music industry has shifted the tuning. So I now see, to bring this all back to a uh, closure here, um, the point is that we're now seeing a resurgence of these original tunings that our nervous systems are much more, aligned to naturally it actually is um helps us balance a lot more Mm.
0: I also remember reading that the cat's purr is tuned into a particular frequency that is calming for humans
2: Mm. I
0: don't know if that's true but I like the fact even though I don't have a cat (laughs) and I shan't share that with my husband because then we'll have a whole litter of them (laughs)
1: oh my goodness (laughs) which would probably be a wonderful thing but also (laughs) a lot um yes I, i haven't heard that particular thing but i don't doubt it you know it's kind of similar to uh there are very specific sounds that have their intentions that we are wired to hear a certain way for example a baby's cry Uh, This was a a fun fact. I'm just going to share a fun fact with you that um, this is about cognitive acoustics. So basically the way that our ears are designed and the way that we bring in sound from our environment interpreted in our brain. Um, A baby's cry sounds really loud to us, right? It just, it can wake somebody up in the middle of the night. And that is evolutionary, of course, for the survival of our species. But the interesting thing is that that baby's cry isn't actually in terms of amplitude louder than other sounds that might not sound as loud. Um, It's more about the specific frequency, um, the hertz that it is at that hits our eardrum in a very particular way and is amplified. It sounds really loud to us. Um, So I just find that to be really interesting. The way that we're perceiving our reality is uh, it's based on these cognitive acoustics. And then um, something that's helpful for singers to know on that thread is that the way that we are singing, when we're singing, we're not hearing ourselves accurately the way that the sound is actually carrying out there. So I think that's an important thing for singers to remember is that let's say their sound, um, they think that they're sounding shrill or too bright. But actually, that's exactly what they need to carry across an audience. And it sounds great outside. So um, so this little fact can be helpful in singing technique and all kinds of things. So if you were to take us through a sound
0: healing session, what sort of things might we expect and what props would you be using?
1: Mm, Yes. Well, I would, I usually tend to offer these um, as we do a little bit of movement first. So we'll do a little bit of yoga and a little sounding. So vocal, uh, vocalizing with the yoga as well. That's the embodied voice method that I love to bring in. Um, And what that does is it gets us into our bodies, (laughs) it gets us out of the mental chatter and into our breath, into our bodies, slowing down those brainwave states and also opening up the voice in a healthy way which always feels good and then at the end of that practice similar to a shavasana in a yoga practice i'll bring people into a resting posture they'll have a yoga mat maybe some bolsters blankets pillows super comfortable and cozy and then i will begin doing a little bit of breath work to drop people in more deeply um, into their meditation. And then that's when I'll usually start to weave in the crystal bowls. So um, I love the different kinds of crystal bowls there are. Um, I use a kind that's called crystal alchemy bowls, so they have gemstones embedded in them and they have carry these the frequencies um, of the sound, but also of the gemstones. So they're really beautiful and therapeutic grade instruments. And um, usually I'll start with a low sounding bowl to um, that's really grounding and creates this sense of safety. And it's like washing your whole system with this gorgeous, deep sound. And it gets people into kind of a trance. It's like it's a hypnotic um, sound. And you can think about the sound waves like sine waves. You know, they're just consistent. And so it really helps that brainwave entrainment occur. Um, I'll start to weave in some vocalizing. I usually do sing with my bowls and I love bringing in um, some healing sounds with my voice. And what I love to do there is just listen to the bowls and resonate with them. So I'll hear certain harmonics in that bowl and I'll match that harmonic and start to harmonize with it and so the voice and the bowl become one you can't always tell the difference between the voice and the bowl that's the feedback that I get from students often um, and so then after that I'll use a gong um, and gongs are the really healing ones are made in a very specific way so it's important to have a, a you know a therapeutic grade gong um, and that is a very rich harmonic experience that can bring people really deep in their experience. Um, And then I'll usually close out with, I like to bring in chimes, sometimes drums, things that create a little bit of rhythm and start to wake up the system in a gentle way. A rain stick is another great one for some white noise. Um, And then after that, gradually bring, bring people back into a seat. And usually what I find is having stillness after the sound bath experience is so important. Giving people that rest time in silence. So important to integrate the sound because um, that comes from a Nada yoga tradition is that the relationship between sound and silence is actually what creates the meaning and what creates the healing. So I give people that time to just rest in that vibrational state um, of the stillness. And then after that, sometimes we'll sing a mantra and, and close. So, mm. yeah, it's a really beautiful experience. Announcement! Listeners, if you've been thinking about
0: joining the BAST community by taking one of our courses, but you just don't know which is the best option for you, then why not book a free call with our very own Kimberly George, who has all the answers? Head over to BASTtraining.com forward slash book a call forward slash and click that big blue button to request your free Zoom chat. That's basttraining.com forward slash bookacall forward slash and you can find that link in our show notes too. Now where were we? Uh, uh. What is your mission going forwards with Embodied Voice Academy?
1: Hmm, I love that question because it is all about the mission and the intention. Well, my mission in creating it is to reach people who are ready to awaken their authentic voice. And so I typically work with students who, they're all ages, uh, many of them are professionals, adults who had some singing experience in their past and then let it go for some reason. Maybe they experience some trauma around their voices that can happen with receiving criticism um, or it can happen with different things that make a person be silent and not speak up for themselves. All kinds of things can happen in life that shuts down our voices. Um, So usually these students, they're looking for a creative outlet. They wanna return to that joy in singing again. They wanna feel, no inhibitions around their expression they want to feel free um oftentimes they feel in tune with and some kind of energetic block that they're ready to release so they might feel that physically where they feel hoarseness in their voice or their voice gets tired a lot or it gets raspy or breathy or if there's a lump in their throat or all kinds of different physical things can happen which actually comes from the energetic stuff first um Other times they just feel like they don't want to hold back anymore. They want to feel creative. Uh, Some of them want to do their podcast. Some of them want to have uh, confidence getting on videos and public speaking. Others want to get on stage and sing that song and make their album. So um, and then finally, others are already professionals who just want to feel more authentic and really find find that part of themselves go deeper. Um, so those are the types of students that I work with. And what lights me up about that is seeing people tap into their hearts and tap into their joy and actually heal themselves in the process of reclaiming their voice and using these tools and, um, you know, having a personal practice that they can come back to and finally feeling free and confident. So I think that the reason that this is my mission is that I, on the bigger level here is that, uh, this comes back to my original intention of studying psychology is that, you know, we all want to make the world a better place and there are challenges in the world happening. And, um, I feel that this is my zone to help people in is like, if we can free our expression and be our authentic selves, then we can be empowered to actually be of higher service and help others and create more beauty and more joy. Um, and, and share that because we can't give what we don't have. So that is, uh, that's my mission.
2: Mm.
1: how do we know when we've arrived at our authentic voice what's that going to feel like Ah, great question so it is very unique to each person of course authenticity is a personal subjective experience however there are several conditions for authenticity that we can think about and often that can come down to Well, how free is the resonance? Is there a fullness in your resonance in your voice that you're able to access anywhere? Um, Is is part of your voice cutting off the sound? Is it cutting off somewhere or does it just flow freely no matter where you are in your range? So that's one aspect of authenticity is being able to access the fullness of our physical instrument. Um, Another aspect of authenticity on a physical level is the ability to have a complete breath and to feel for the student to feel expansive in that breath and not um, tense in the body. So sometimes people experience locking in their solar plexus or they don't feel free in their breath. Uh, So that's another really big one. Um, another thing about authenticity is, on a more emotional level, is the experience of being in the flow with what you're creating. So, not feeling like you're holding back. Um, for that student to know within themselves that they're able to to listen to that inspiration within them and move it into what they're creating, be it a song writing something, writing a poem, anything like that, Um, the experience of freedom in that expression. Um, I would say another aspect of authenticity is communicating in a way that feels like your true self and so that can that can be in relationships and intimate relationships it can be at work it can be anywhere um and it can also be in your art so if you're a songwriter are you really writing from your heart are you really dropped into what you deeply want to say or are you singing to sound like somebody else or are you approaching your art from a place of um you know these these conditionings that we've had so To summarize the answer to your question, I would say that authenticity often requires deconditioning ourselves (laughs) from the conditions (laughs) that we've experienced in in our voices and actually coming back home to ourselves in whatever way that really means to us. And these practices are shown to guide each student to what that means for them.
0: Can you take us through
1: the the curriculum for Embodied Voice Academy? Absolutely. So it's a journey through all of the seven major chakras. And so what we do, it's nine months total. And uh, so it's a comprehensive journey. And we start with root. We start with creating safety in the body. We do this. We approach things from the physical, the energetic, the emotional uh, and mental expressions of this quality and how it relates to our technique vocally so we work a lot on resonance as well and apply that into the songs that we're singing get comfortable performing in front of other people that kind of thing we move through all seven chakras each one we're um, allowing our body to practice these new ways of being and this new alignment because as you know practicing a craft is really what it takes to for these things to become embodied to become second nature so you don't have to think about it anymore so we go through those chakras and then at the end we have integration so we have a whole month of integrating all of them together because all of them are meant to weave and work together and then we have a final performance so projects that the student has been working on throughout that time whether they wanted to create an album or a few songs or just get comfortable singing in front of people at all and it could be anything for that individual and we have a final retreat and we celebrate one another and have our showcase and it's really beautiful Um, so that's the curriculum overview and with that it's typically it's three live calls each month with the intimate group. It's a small group, so we get to know each other. We share. We do some sound healing as well. Um, And then each student also gets one on one voice lessons. I think that's a really important part of it because we are it's a personalized experience of finding your authenticity. And so as a teacher, I'm able to actually hear and see each student and offer those very individualized uh, adjustments so that they can find that alignment. So we had, they have a monthly lessons, and um, there are also some pre recorded modules. Things like uh, a quick, you know, five minute root chakra practice. Let's, you know, vocal warm up practices. Different kinds of things that they can just have as resources. Um, recommended reading lists, some sound healing mantras they can sing along to, things like that. Yeah. A lot of us as teachers, when, when we've got a busy schedule and it's like one
0: student after the next and we, we have that all day and it gets to late afternoon and you think, oh my goodness, I really want to give my all to this next student, but it's, my head is spinning. Have you got an exercise that you could take us through that will help us to re, reground ourselves, rebalance, find our mojo again for those uh-huh.
1: later on students in the day? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. So when the head is spinning and we've been exerting a lot of energy and focused out on other people, one of the best things we can do is come back into our root chakra, actually for that grounding and that calm. So I'll guide you through. It's so simple. Anybody can do it. Um, And basically, let's just begin. So we'll sit tall. Let's say you have like a minute before your student walks in the door. So you're going to take a minute to ground. So we're going to just inhale deeply, exhale long and deep. And we'll do this two more times for three total. We
2: inhale, exhale. And as you are exhaling, see how you can elongate the exhale. And as you elongate the exhale, you'll notice the mind starting to calm Now you can just
1: breathe normally, see about breathing into that deep belly space and any kind of mental activity happening for you, imagine that you could just drop all those thoughts down, down,
2: down, all the way down to the earth, allow the earth to hold them for you. You can also imagine and visualize
1: a beautiful stream of white light, brilliant, sparkling, shining white light traveling down through the crown of your head, down through your mind,
2: clearing the mind, down through your throat, your heart, solar plexus, sacral chakra and root. So feeling your mind clear, Letting the light cleanse and purify you and filling you up with plenty of energy. Just opening to receive. And now finally, we'll do three low, deep, earthy
1: tones into the root chakra. So go ahead and now imagine a red orb of light at your root. Imagine that this light is spinning in a clockwise motion. It's getting brighter and brighter as you visualize it. And now we're going to send a low, deep tone on the vowel, ooh, which is the vowel for the root chakra. And we're going to tone and strengthen this energy center. So it will sound like this. I'll demo and then you can join me. Ooh. So, it's just this low, deep, raw kind of sound. Let it be a healing sound for you. So, let's take a clearing breath first. We inhale and exhale. And now we'll inhale and then tone this low, deep ooh
2: sound. Ooh.
1: See if you can focus on grounding as you do this.
2: One more deep inhale. Listen after the sound, breathe normally. See if you can listen to the echo of the sound, the deep internal sound just in the silence. notice anything shifted in your energy if you're feeling more grounded and centered
1: and finally we can close this practice with tapping into your heart so feel into your heart space connect with something you're grateful for
2: maybe it's the opportunity to teach this beautiful student coming in to awaken their voice and we close you can gently come back and open your eyes
0: Mm. nice thank you for that
2: you're welcome there was part of
0: me that was thinking god i don't think i can get down to that lowest note
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: Yeah. and that's oh that's so i'm so glad you said that actually because the pitch doesn't really matter all that much yeah <laughs> it's more about just feeling that deep low internal frequency just as fits your voice yeah yeah
0: yeah good because I was going to say like would do students ever feel like they have to match you because they, they get worried about that kind of grating heart like non-harmony
1: yeah yeah I find that so I have to Gosh. remind them it's okay so an, a helpful thing for that is to have the student first hear it within themselves and then chant it and then i'll join them after that so they can find it for themselves Mm -hmm. yeah it's nice and calming that i like that yeah very simple but it's just using our voice and using sound and breath to calm us and find center so you can do this anywhere i mean Sometimes I'll use this, uh, gosh, traveling in a crowded area. I mean, just some low mm, Mm. just to keep me in my route and keep me grounded and safe. Um, It's just very helpful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that, Rush. That was cool. I like that. How can someone then get to be a part of Embodied Voice
1: Academy? And how much does it cost to get involved? Yeah. So... Well, they are welcome to join if it calls to them so i'd say the best way it is invitation so you can just reach out to me and send me a message um, because i do keep it to an intimate group um, so that each person can really receive a lot of individualized attention and really receive that value on their journey yeah so um, it's 350 monthly for the academy um, and that includes the one-on-one lessons throughout the year as well as all the group programs and the final retreat so, um, yeah, it's an amazing journey and I would love to share it with somebody who is uh, this is speaking to. Yeah. You mentioned a book earlier. Are there any other resources
0: that you'd recommend for us to check out on this idea of sound healing, the energy side of
1: things as well? It's it's funny. I've read so many books on sound healing and the one that's really coming to my mind is actually a book uh, called... Um, <laughs> the title of it is very clever. It's called "There's No Place Like Om." Okay, yeah, <laughs> play on words. No place like home, uh, and it is by um, two ladies who actually founded a modality called Acutonics. And it's a modality that I did study. Um, So it's basically using tuning forks on the meridians of the body. So a musician and an acupuncturist like doctor of Chinese medicine came together and created this modality. It's really cool. So but what I love about the book, so it's not specific for singers, but what I love about the book is that it talks about the this planet uh, or music of the spheres and the planetary ratios and how they relate to our meridian system and how the different frequencies in music help us in our nervous system. There's actually a lot of science behind it. Um, And so that book is really amazing. Um, Other resources, you know, there are There are many podcasts out there. There's one in particular um, that I've been listening to. It's actually called Quantum Minds TV. Mm -hmm. And it's by, she's a teacher of mine. Her name is Dr. Teresa Bullard. She is amazing. She's a a physicist. She's a doctor of physics. And um, she also does a lot of energy healing and really weaves the esoteric uh, studies with modern science. And so she's she's an amazing resource. I love her stuff. and so she is very interested in sound healing, and um, she interviews several sound healers on her show, and they go into very, very deep uh, conversations about it and uh, practices that people can bring into their own lives. So I would recommend checking that out. You can just Google search Quantum Minds TV, Dr. Teresa Bullard, um, and you'll find it. And then you can search uh, the interviews about sound healing that she's done. That's I would really recommend that. Um, Let's see. Anything else? Yeah. And then otherwise go to some sound baths. (laughs) yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah well Rush Dorset thank you so much where can our listeners find out more about your work
1: and book a call with you or send you an email for invite to Embodied Voice Academy yes yes I would love to hop on a phone call it's always fun to connect first um, talk about your goals with your voice so best way to reach out to me is via email so rush at rushdorset.com you can find my website rushdorset.com and you'll see a whole page about Embodied Voice Academy you'll see things about I do have some one on one coaching that I do with students uh, as well. And uh, all these different courses that I have. And I often offer workshops and pop-up events and things like that for people wanting a taste of this work. Um, I am also offering a new mini course that is seven weeks long. So a little bit do- more doable for people um, who wanna taste the work. So all of those are on my website. Um, and you can also find, I have a free voice chakra assessment on my website. And that's a great way. Um, I I created that assessment based on Belcanto technique and yoga voice. And basically it's a way to figure out which chakra do you most need line alignment for. And then once you take that quiz, um, I actually send you a custom practice in your um, email inbox. I'll send you the practice associated with that chakra that you need work on. So I think that's a really good way to connect and feel the work. Um, and then you can sign up for my newsletter on my website too. I often, um, send out newsletters about these concepts and all kinds of fun um, free training materials. I have a group called Free Your Voice on Facebook. It's a private group and I often uh, lead free videos there to support people and answer questions. So I have a lot of ways to connect, Um, but yeah, again, rush at rushdorset.com is probably gonna be the best way. (laughs) Brilliant. Rush, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun to be here to share about this deep passion of mine and, and talk about this. And, and I hope that it was supportive to listeners.
0: If you're enjoying the Singing Teachers Talk podcast, and who are we kidding? Of course you are. Share the love by giving us a five star rating and leaving a comment just head to the singing teachers talk
2: main page on the apple podcast app and scroll to the bottom to click write a review